Prayer is important to God. Here's Pastor Ed Ray with more. And when he had given thanks, did you know that God blesses food like you do, Grace? And by the way, if you're not in the practice of doing that in your home, moms or dads, that's a good time to bring prayer into your home. It doesn't have to be King James English. It can be, you know, like rub-a-dub-dub. Thank God for the grub, amen. He just wants you to acknowledge him. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place gotta dwell with man. Sick be healed and the crippled stand, singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I say let this world know me by your love. Greetings in Christ, and again, welcome to Grow in Grace. So good to have you with us for what promises to be a profitable time together in the Word. Chapter 6 of John will be the centerpiece of our study. Imagine hosting a get-together and discovering you don't have quite enough food to go around. That would be quite embarrassing, right? But in our day and age, the problem could probably be solved by making a trip to the grocery store. This luxury wasn't available in the days of Christ, making what we're about to read even more astounding. Five loaves and two fish, perhaps enough for a couple of people, but certainly not 5,000, right? Nothing is impossible for God. Pastor Ed Ray now explains. God, he trusts us with a test and it's for us, it's a pop quiz. How are we doing? You know, I hated pop quizzes in, in school and when I was teaching. You're not really prepared. In fact, you don't even know it's coming. And it's so that the teacher can tell if you're listening or not. We're going to pass out a pop quiz right now. I'm, I'm lying. And I saw terror slip across a few people's face. Where shall we buy by bread? Panic? Yeah. He's completely overwhelmed. But there's another disciple who joins in, verse 6. Another of his disciples, Andrew, who is Simon Peter's brother. Peter's brother is going to take up the teacher's pop quiz, Jesus' quiz. And he was also, we're told in the Gospel of John, from Bethsaida, the same general area. So there's a lad here, he says, who has five barley loaves and two fish, First time I read this, I thought of, you know, giant Italian sourdough bread and, and maybe a couple of yellow-tailed fish, huge. No, this is the word for a English muffin and a tiny, tiny fish, like a minnow size. They, they do grow in the Sea of Galilee. And so it's made out of oats and barley. And those are the rough grains rather than wheat, which is smooth. And so this is not a wealthy family. He's brought barley loaves and two small fish, small fry. And Andrew was practiced in bringing people to Jesus. As soon as he heard, saw Jesus, he brought his brother Peter. And we get a little further along here in the next chapter, and he meets some Greeks, and they say, Sir, we want to see Jesus. And so... Andrew took them there. He has brought his brother, he brought these Greeks, and now he's bringing this little boy to Jesus. 
who doesn't have very much. Barley, of course, coarsest, roughest kind of food, used for cattle still to this day. But God likes for us to use what we have in our hands. Well, I don't have very much. God doesn't ask for a lot. Well, I, I don't have a personal fortune. This little boy is eating bread made out of cattle food. And, uh, but I don't have a graduate degree. This kid's uneducated, except for the synagogue. I, I don't know the right people or have the right connections. God doesn't care. He doesn't require you or I to be born into the right family. We bring what we have. And he says, I can use that. I'll take that. And I'll make something good from it. You see, we are not the producers of spiritual things. We are only the distributors. That's a key to this whole lesson. That we don't manufacture spiritual things. God does. But then he puts them in our hands and we're to give them away. That's how he's reaching the world. Example of that is George Mueller. Mueller was a man who started creating orphanages in the 1800s in England. And he built more than 117 orphanages and he educated more than 120,000 orphans over a 12 year period. So he was a man who lived by faith though. He didn't think it proper to ask anybody for financial aid. He didn't have any radio commercials, didn't have any television commercials. He didn't hit people up for money. He just prayed. Wow, what a concept. And he asked God to supply. One of the most famous stories about Mueller I love is he was in Bristol where he had a large orphanage and they ran out of milk for the next morning and the kids all ate porridge for breakfast. And so he got all the staff together and said, we need to pray that God would supply the milk for the kids. They don't have anything for breakfast. And so they get on the knees early in the morning they're praying before the kids got up and there's a knock at the door. And so he opens the door and there's a man standing in all white and he said, I've got a bunch of milk. He said, really? He says, yeah, my cart's broken down. Now, this is before refrigeration. So he's got a wagon with a broken wheel and he says, I'm not going to be able to get this fixed and get it to the place I'm going in time. The milk's going to all spoil. I hear this is an orphanage. Do you need any milk? He said, we were just talking to God about that. Thanks. I just love that he didn't tell anybody else except God. He was doing God's work, God's way, with God's provision. God's work, doing it God's way, not cutting corners or trying to manipulate the thing, and that God will provide. You're sitting in a building like that. We didn't ask. We did ask the owner of it if he would sell it to us. This goes back a number of years ago, 25 years ago. And he told us the price and uh, that was way more than we had, so we made him an offer. But at the same time, we didn't realize that there was a woman, a developer, a real estate lady, who, had, who heard about our offer and she came and she offered him more than twice what we were offering. So, of course, the guy sold it to her. Then she came to us and tried to get us to buy it from her uh, for 
three times more than what she paid for it. And uh, I said, oh, you know what? It, it, it's not even tempting because we just don't have the money. We're waiting on God to supply. She said, well, I'm going to put a lock in store there. Well, praise God. There's nothing we can do about it. So you could be sitting amongst RVs right now and somebody's old stuff taken out of their garage. But you're not. You're sitting in a church. Because about four and a half years later, she got caught in a real estate swindle and she went to prison. Some of you from this area know who I'm talking about. Rather well-known lady, a developer. And she started changing the title on title deeds. Got caught, went to prison. Not very long after she went to prison, I didn't know she was in prison. I get a call from a guy in Orange County. And he's a developer, but he's a believer. And he said, well, I was at a tax sale buying a different piece of property. And I saw that the property next to you went up for sale. And it was real cheap, so I bought it. He said, and then when I got all the paperwork, I see that you made the original owner an offer uh, five years ago. And he said, but I didn't pay very much for it, so I'll sell it to you for 10 cents on the dollar. What you offered, one-tenth. So we're sitting in a building that God gave. God's work, God's way, God's provision. Well, how do you know it's God's work? Because we're dedicated to teaching his word. Faith comes by hearing his word. Three foot away from me, in the top step, down, there is a metal box, fireproof, and it has a Bible in it. Nothing special about the Bible, just one we bought at the bookstore, and we put it in a fireproof box and buried it in the concrete. Because this is the place where the Bible is taught. We have committed to that foundation and should things change, you know, the Antichrist comes or something like that, and they dig this up, they're going to find that Bible, and they're going to have truth in their hands. Whether or not they use it, that's their deal. So that's why we're studying through the Bible and God's work, God's way, and God will provide. So what is the provision? Verse 10, Jesus said, make all the people sit down. Hey, it looks like a nice place. There's a lot of grass. It's springtime much grass in the place. So the men sat down. Make the people sit down. The Greek word is anthropos, and it means male and female. But then he said, make the men to sit down. And the number is 5,000. That's where it happened. That's the Sea of Galilee in the upper right-hand corner. And the, the village of Bethsaida is down at the edge of the sea. And this is the traditional place where Jesus fed the 8,000 or 10,000 people. Cool, huh? And you could be there too. <laughs> I could too, but I couldn't carry my luggage. My arms were still broken. So they're in a beautiful spot, and the kids and women get to eat for free. Evidently, they only named the men. Versus everybody's free, I'm teasing. So for heaven's sakes, go to Israel. It'll change you. I was talking to an Israeli kid this week, and here in America, and real nice guy, and he said, I'm, I'm from Israel. I said, well, you're from Israel? He says, no, I, I'm Hebrew. He said, have you ever been to Israel? And he said, no, why do you ask? I said, well, just all these people from our church are there right now. And he said, well, actually, I did go to Israel one time. And I looked at him, and I said, did it change you? 
and he teared up. And he said, completely. That's why Christians go too. <laughs> it's the place where Jesus walked. And you can walk on the steps of the temple and know that that's where Jesus taught from. You can walk down the streets of Capernaum and say, Jesus walked here. You can go to that mountaintop and it might have been 10 foot over there or 10 foot over here, but Jesus was here along with 5,000 of his closest friends and they had lunch together on this spot. I'm trying to get you excited about going to Israel. It will change you. It'll make the Bible come alive. Maybe next year, next year in Jerusalem. This is Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. Let's get back into John 6 and hear more of this remarkable story. Verse 11, and Jesus took the loaves, the English muffins, and when he had given thanks, did you know that God blesses food like you do in grace? And, and by the way, if you're not in the practice of doing that in your home, moms or dads, that's a good time to bring prayer into your home. It doesn't have to be King James English. It can be, you know, like rub-a-dub-dub, thank God for the grub, amen. <laughs> he just wants you to acknowledge him. The Hebrew blessing that Jesus probably used is Baruch Hara Adonai Elohim, Habra Edehon, Rabakaya Amara. I practiced all week to get that right. I don't speak Hebrew. It means, Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. Is that like a cool prayer? But notice that he's blessing God, he's not blessing the food. We tend to think, well, God blesses food. No, no, we bless you for supplying this. That's really the whole lesson here, that God supplies. He is the manufacturer, and we are the distributor of spiritual things. It's very, very cool. So, verse 12, when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. This is a Jewish tradition to this day. When you have a meal with a, like a Jewish family, anything more than an olive is saved. They have leftovers a lot. Again, they don't waste anything. Therefore, they gathered them up, verse 13, they, the 12 apostles. 12 apostles gathered up the leftovers and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. Wait a minute. Jesus knew how much each person was going to eat so that he would make sure there was enough for each one of the apostles to hold a basket full of food that was bigger than the original five loaves and, three, and two fish. Now this miracle is another one of those just blow my mind from a scientific point of view. So Jesus takes bread in his hand that had never grown when he broke it. The grain in the one that he multiplied had never been in the ground. Then he broke fish that had never swam before in the ocean or the sea. I just heard your brain skid to a stop. That's what this is saying. As he broke it, he created the same duplicate piece. It's a little bit like the old Star Trek movies or the TV series 
where they had a replicator. You remember they go up to it, push a button, and a cup of steaming coffee would show up. Jesus pushes the button and bread shows up in his hands. Better than that, fish that had never lived. This is a little bit like the miracle he did at Cana when he told the stewards to fill up the vats with water and he turned it into wine. An inner, inorganic liquid to an organic one filled with carbon and 450 other phenols and acids that were not there. He didn't touch it. This time he touches it. I can't explain that. We are not the manufacturer, but he is. He just manufactured. Gathering it all up, those who had eaten. They gathered it up just the right amount so that every apostle has a basket that's bigger than the amount the kid brought, and they have to bring it back and go, huh, how'd this happen? Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet. There's a definite article there. That is referring to uh, back in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15. Moses said that there's one coming after me who is the prophet. He's coming from heaven. It was the sign of the Messiah that he would be able to do things, create out of nothing. That's what he did. So verse 15, last verse, therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Melech, the Messiah, he departed again to the mountain by himself, alone. They wanted to make him the king. Now, their view of the Messiah was incorrect. They thought the Messiah was going to be a military ruler who was going to overthrow the Romans that were invading the nation of Israel. Jesus didn't want any part of that because he knew he was going to die in your place and mine. That his death would be the substitute, it's just what Bruce saying, the great exchange. He exchanged his life for yours and mine. And so that's what's going on here. And they're all looking at this and they want to make him king and he says, no way. Now, there are two parts of this story that we don't have. We don't know how it happened, but, but give me just a little bit of liberty to tell you what I think happened. So I think the mom is in this story who made the lunch so that all parents who build a lunch for their kid would be encouraged. I can just see him. I grew up in a, a family of five kids and uh, three boys and we were terrors and I was the worst because I was the oldest and my mom would always stop us at the front door wait a minute young man did you wash behind your ears oh mom did you brush your let me see those teeth you know how about your stick out your tongue and we'd go through now where's your lunch I don't have one mom well I made one for you and she'll take a brown bag and hand and then next brother and next brother this mom in this story probably did the same thing with her son. He's ready to run out the, where are you going? Well, I, I want to see who Jesus is. He says, well, did you brush your teeth? Let me see behind your ears. Do you have it at lunch? He said, no, mom, I made you one. Take this. This mom made a lunch that fed 5,000 men. And today is feeding you and me. God expects us to use what's in our hands. 
we are the distributor. And then he makes this great provision in people's lives. Second story that's not told here is the little boy himself. Let me go a little further with this. So I think this little boy was seven years old, curious, and he made it out the door with his lunch sack that his mom made him, and a man comes by and says, hey, anybody got any food? And he says, I have five loaves and two fish, and gave it to Andrew. And the people around, okay, here's what theologians say, right? Well, then the people around started feeling guilty that they hadn't given anything, so they reached in their sleeves and they took out their lunch, and pretty soon there was enough to feed 5,000. In theological terms, that's called baloney. So he hands the five loaves and two fish, and Jesus takes it. Now, where's the little kid? Right in front of him, watching this. Jesus blesses it, Baruch Allah, and then he takes the bread and he breaks it, and the kid goes... And he's blown away. And he watches it happen over and over and over again. When he got home that night, he was a changed kid. His mom said, well, what'd you see? He said, I saw Jesus. And he fed 5,000 people with my lunch. She said, you liar, get to bed. He remembered, didn't bother him. He lay in bed and he thought about what he saw that day. Story goes on. He grew up and he got married fell in love with the woman, they had children. And every night when he tucked his kids in, he'd sit on the edge of the bed and they would say, Daddy, tell us about Jesus again. What did he look like? How did the bread multiply in his hands? Where did the fish come from? Was he smiling? Oh, he was laughing out loud as he's cranking out bread. Daddy, do you think he loves me like he loves you? And those kids grew to marry and have children of their own. And they said, the grandkids said, Grandpa, tell us about Jesus. What did he do with the fish? How did he break it? What did his face look like? Does he love me? We live in a time where the world is trying to steal our children away. Second, third graders, you read the news, you see what's going on. You live your life for God in front of your children. You live a life that's filled with faith and trust. And the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. I say that with some experience. I have two grandchildren now, and they ask me those questions. Grandpa, you were a scientist. Why do you believe in Jesus so much? <laughs> because I felt him, because he's spoken to me, because I love him and he loves me. You keep doing it, parents. You just keep making those lunches, moms and dads. You just keep telling them stories about God and what the Bible says. And they will, in the next generation, and their children, and their children's children, until Jesus returns, be strong. Thanks for listening to Grow in Grace as we continue our journey through the New Testament. 
Today's message from Pastor Ed Ray is a part of our study in John's Gospel, and you can hear it again at thepackinghouse.org. You'll find all of our recently aired programs right there at thepackinghouse.org, as well as an archive of Pastor Ed's messages. We're also on YouTube, and that's a great way to live stream our services or watch recently delivered messages. Search for Packing House Christian Fellowship, and if you prefer to have a CD copy of today's message, just call toll-free 844-77-GRACE. Again, we're here to serve you at 844-77-GRACE. As we continue to get the word out on stations like this all across the nation, we're looking to our listeners for help. Even a small donation can have a large impact by God's grace. And whatever comes in goes straight to the ministry. When you support Grow in Grace with a gift of any amount today, be sure to request our featured resource. It's a book called Why Revival Tarries by Leonard Ravenhill. This is a no-compromise call to biblical revival and spiritual excellence that we all need to hear. You'll see the great disparity between today's church and the Church of Acts. Again, we're making it available for a gift of any amount. Just give us a call at 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. Tomorrow on Grow in Grace, we encounter the Lord of the Sea as our study in John resumes with Pastor Ed Ray. This program is listener-supported and brought to you by the Packing House Christian Fellowship in Redlands. Zion, now filled with hands and in this place got to dwell with man. Sick be healed and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son. Selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love and harmony. I said let this world know me by your 